The LA Clippers were once considered the worst franchise in NBA history, and they've had a lot of disappointing seasons. But relative to the expectations, was this the most disappointing season yet? Going to be talking about it all and doing a little bit of reflecting on today's Locked On Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, sir. You are locking in with the clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day. Your team every day. I'm your host, Darren Vaziri. Just finished my 18th season as a Clipper fan. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod. Subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, for even more NBA Clipper and NBA history content. And of course, Locked On Clippers is free and available on all your favorite podcasting platforms, including YouTube, where I want you to let me know if this was the most disappointing season in Clipper history. Going to be going through a couple of candidates. First, I'm going to be talking about why I think this season was in the conversation, even though it's still a above 500 record, 44 wins, five seed. That's better than most seasons in Clipper history, right? But we're going to be breaking it down a little bit more in depth. And then, of course, as I said, other candidates. And then some recent news around the league in regards to Bob Myers and another GM being let go. So I'm going to be diving into that to end the show. But let's start out by just talking about the season a bit, right? Now, if you go back and listen to the first couple of episodes I did before the season started when I first took over this job, you will see that it is just a crazy 180 in terms of the way I'm talking about the team and just my excitement level. I mean, I was buzzing when I took this job, not because I was so excited to just have this job, but because I felt as though this was the best assembled Clipper roster ever They had been through their battles together as a team. And finally, they had the best coach they could have with the best player they've ever had. And they were going to put it all together with the best number two option we've ever had. Everything. Best bench. And it just was the injury bug again that really hit the Clippers more than anything. And it started with Kawhi Leonard's discomfort when he first came back. Only played two games. Was on that minutes restriction. Of course, having missed the entire 2021-22 season with the ACL tear. And then Paul George getting injured as well when they come back or when they play in the same homestand, they get injured in that same homestand. So now we're playing without them again and starting the season, you know, just so behind and basically getting things going in December, you know, when they both came back against the Charlotte Hornets in that game on the road where Kawhi at the game winner. But it's all the things that we did in between that or during that period that was so frustrating, like. The lack of seriousness I thought we had in certain games, especially to begin the season, just not the right effort. Of course, the lineups not really being optimized. Those three-guard lineups in the beginning of the season with no center. Then, of course, having no backup center was just a misstep by the front office. And we were paying for it when the right guys weren't playing. Not enough size out there. And, of course, mixed with the injuries, it just wasn't a good combination. And as the season wore on, we saw that Ty Lue just was playing certain guys too much. We were letting wins slip away. And also, you know, when Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are healthy and you don't win, it felt like every game without them was, or it felt like every game with them was 10 times bigger because they don't always play. You know, we have the Kawhi Leonard on load management all season long until the last game of the regular season where he played it back-to-back. We had the whole, you know, 
load management for every for Paul George and Kawhi. Just the fact that there were games where it felt like maybe they could give it a go and we were just saving them for the playoffs. And then eventually they both got hurt in the playoffs. So that's part of the disappointment as well is that, you know, we were very conservative doing things like against Orlando, taking Kawhi Leonard and Paul George out because they had a minutes restriction and we didn't play them in a double over, in a, I'm sorry, in an overtime in which you're throwing guys in that haven't played in minutes to try to win you a game, that's basically saying I'm okay to lose. The two games against one at Minnesota, the other at Cleveland, where we didn't just sit the two of them. We sat other guys as well, as they say, punting in the NBA. So things like that. How about the Sacramento Kings game after the All-Star break? Double overtime game. You have Paul George on a minutes restriction. Paul George played 40-plus minutes in the game and then gets sat on in double overtime. If you're going to play him over 40 minutes, I guarantee you that wasn't the you know the number. They, that, they, they went over the threshold, and they just didn't ride it out. And that was a big game for seeding at the time. So the Clipper organization, and when Lawrence Frank, you know, he, he vindicated me with my comments all season on their lack of seriousness towards the regular season when he said we got to respect the regular season more. You look at the top seeds, in M- the champions in NBA history, they're always top three seeds. Who's been preaching that? You know, banging, beating the dead horse with that one. I have, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn on that, but the regular season does matter. And the reason the Lob City Clippers didn't win is not because they didn't. It's not because they burned out going too hard in the regular season. It's because they straight up just weren't good enough to win a championship. Could they have been a conference finals team? Absolutely. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in the next segment. But they could have been a conference finals team. They were not a championship team. They would have. I just don't believe they were. But. This team, when healthy, I think was the closest to a championship team. We sadly never saw that, but the process wasn't even that good when they played. And a lot of that was some coaching, some guys just falling off a cliff in terms of their production, like Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris. Then we had the trade deadline, which made us better, but so much change. You know, continuity was a big buzzword for the Clippers this year because we did not have enough of it. And it also, you know, the behind-the-scenes stuff, Ty Lue in the front office, reported unhappiness with Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson with their minutes and all that. So it was just a mess. But that's why I would say it's a candidate for most disappointing because we had championship expectations and everyone, even the national media, they kept saying if the Clippers are healthy, they're in the conversation with anybody because everybody knows that Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs is a different animal. And we were seeing that different animal in those first two games in Phoenix before he tore his meniscus. He was playing as well as anyone in the playoffs. Jokic, of course it's only two games, but Jokic, uh, Jimmy Butler, he was right there with any of them. And that's because he is like that. I mean, Kawhi, that second half of the season, was as good as damn near anybody in the NBA. Shooting the ball well, scoring basically at will, defending well. Of course, not really guarding the best players yet, but his help defense, um, just his overall defensive IQ, making a difference on that end for the Clippers. He can rebound, playmaking. I mean, Kawhi was really, really, really good this season. And that's what made it so unfortunate that he went down. But the thing is, it's just the process didn't feel good. You know, in 2021, Kawhi and Paul George missed games. But it felt like the process as the season went on was getting better. It really did. And we had some stretches in the season where we had winning streaks. The Clippers didn't put together more than a five-game winning streak this season, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and when Russell Westbrook came, you know, we had that four-game winning streak after the five-game losing streak, and then Paul George goes down. And I just think, the again, the process. If the injuries came and they had gone 
hard the whole regular season, it, it would have been more of a bad luck thing. And I think it was mainly bad luck. But the process was just not good all season long. It just felt like Ty Lue, the front office, everybody just felt as though as long as we made it to the playoffs healthy, it didn't matter what seed we were, how what kind of basketball we were playing. And that's just not how that works. And I think we, you know, you, I, I said in my own channel, you can't cheat the game. And I think that the Clippers really tried to take shortcuts. And I thought we were past that. I thought we learned our lesson in 2020, which is a perfect segue to coming up. I can't just say it's the most disappointing season in Clipper history without comparing. So we're going to talk about some other ones, and then I'm going to make my choice. But before I do that, i got to tell you about FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And this episode is brought to you by FanDuel because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And this finals is going to be fun to bet on. I am going to bet on the Denver Nuggets to win the series, though, because I just feel as though they're the best team in the NBA. They have an amazing offense. They have too much size for the Heat. And I think, finally, the Heat will flame out. There's no better place to make this bet on all the playoff action. The NBA Finals, the Stanley Cup Finals on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the National Basketball Association. All right, let's talk about some other candidates for this most disappointing season in Clipper history thing. And look, I know I'm probably going to get some hate in the comments. You're such a negative Nancy talking about all this and that. Please, I've been saying keep suggesting uh, episode topics because we got all summer and I'm still doing five a week. So <laughs> you got to talk about some things, you know, some bad things. It wasn't a great season. Sue me. You know, reflection is good as well and honestly it's, it's good to just stamp these things and move on you know what i'm saying and very soon there'll be more rumors and we'll talk about the future of the team more and all that and going forward but let's just get all the you know last couple episodes on this season out of the way and i still got a terrence man episode left about his season but i think i nailed everyone else but let's talk about also going to be talking about which youngsters i want to see play but i think i guess you could put that in the future category but let's talk about the other candidates for this most disappointing season in Clipper history. And I do consider myself somewhat of an L.A. sports and Clipper historian. That being said, if you have a season in the 90s or the 80s, I know we had a lot of teams that looked good on paper in the 80s that got injured. The 90s, um, we had some solid teams there. So if you have a more disappointing season that I'm forgetting, please suggest it in the comments because, listen, I am not one to be ignorant about history, but I am going to speak on what I know here. And the Clippers have had their most hype and their best teams in the time that I've been a fan. So I think the first candidate for me is 2007, the 2006-07 season to be exact, coming off the 06 season in the second round. Yes, we were an aging team, but I thought with a young Sean Livingston, and maybe it was just the eight-year-old in me, I thought we would really go back to the playoffs and maybe make some noise again, but it just didn't feel the same all season long. And then Sean blew out his knee against Charlotte, and that really hurt, and we didn't even end up making the playoffs. Now, granted, the eighth seed that did make the playoffs was the We Believe Warriors. Were we better than them? Probably not. But you could just see that the age of that Clipper team the next year um, Sam Cassell was getting older. A year later, he was, you know, playing for the Boston Celtics in the championship, but, you know, spot minutes here and there. And then Coutinho Mobley kind of slowly phased out. And Elton Brand, Elton Brand, actually, I remember him still having a good season that year, but then he tore his Achilles, you know, in the next season. 
But that was disappointing. Would I put it on the level of this season? Absolutely not. Not when you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George basically in their primes. So that's out. Then there's the 2013 season where we had our most wins in NBA uh, in Clipper history, 56 and 26. And no, I didn't do any research before this episode. This is off the dome because I'm a diehard. You already know how it is. 10 years ago, 56 and 26, we had the December to remember, which was our longest winning streak ever, obviously. Um, And then we go to the first round. And I was, this was the most arrogant I've ever been at as a Clipper fan. I guess I got karma, you can say. But we were playing the same team that we beat in 2012, the Memphis Grizzlies. This time we had home court advantage. We had swept them in the regular season. We had gotten, you know, Jamal Crawford, who was a sixth man of the year candidate. We had Eric Bledsoe, who was arguably the best point guard, backup point guard in the league. We had one of the best duos in the NBA. And we also had, you know, a top 10 player in the league at the time in Chris Paul. So I felt as though we had them easy, and they lost Rudy Gay. So I was like, we have them in six games. Well, after the first two games, it felt that way, and then we lost four straight. And I know Blake Griffin's injury in game five was a part of that, but or was it game four he got hurt? It's either game four or game five, but I know he was hurt the last two games. But I just felt as though we got bullied because we lost some toughness without Reggie Evans and Kenyon Martin. And I think that that, that 2013 Clipper team was better than the 2012 team, but our matchup with Memphis got worse. And I that, that taught me a lesson about regular season basketball. That taught me that playoff basketball is so entirely different. That taught me that you can't even take any of the regular season series matchups um, to the bank at all. You can't look at them at all, in my opinion. All you can do is kind of look at some matchup things, maybe some schematic things, but playoff basketball rotations shrink. And I remember when I said all year long, that was the tribe called bench, I believe. We had the best bench in the league. And it, it just, Zebo and Mark would always stay in the game so I could see what playoff rotations look like. And suddenly our depth didn't matter when we couldn't stop Zebo or Marcus all in the post. And that Grizzlies team was tough defensively. So that loss in the first round, taking a step back after making it past the first round the second year, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie to you. This is a, oh, me opening up here for you guys. But I was 14 years old. I was in high school. I was in ninth grade. I was talking so much smack at school to all the Laker fans and everybody. And oh, my God. And I remember Chris Paul was a free agent that year, unrestricted. And... I remember him walking off that court after getting ejected towards the end of that game and he took off his jersey or just pulled it up. I don't remember. I have to see the clip again, although I don't want to see the clip again. And I remember just bawling my eyes out. This is when I was a freshman in high school. This is the last time I think I cried for sports like that, like sad tears. But, oh, man, I thought maybe he would leave just because I was a Clipper fan and we still had Donald Sterling. So I just thought that maybe Chris Paul you know, doesn't want to play for a franchise with that kind of owner even though we had given him two amazing years in the spotlight that he didn't have in New Orleans and, you know, playing with Blake Griffin and a great future with this team. And he's the man. We gave him the keys. Um, And I was just so nervous, so traumatized and just sad. Uh, I would put that, you know, I think it's close. But I think this season was more disappointing. I know we didn't have the injuries, although you can say in 2013 we had the Blake Griffin injury. But I don't know, this season, I just never felt we were going to win the championship. In 2013, I thought we were at best a conference finals team. It was only our second year together. But the the reason why the 2023 theme hurts so much is because we have made the conference finals before with these guys. We had a series that we probably would have won had we had Kawhi Leonard. And mainly we have a guy that's led a team to a championship in Kawhi. Eighth year, Chris Paul was never doing that. Chris Paul was never doing that. 
Then my next candidate, 2015. I don't think this is in the really should be in the conversation. But we had a 3-1 lead over a team that we were much better than, and I'll take that to the grave. The Houston Rockets, led by James Harden and Dwight Howard. And it was Corey Brewer and Josh Smith that ended up coming back against us. Oh my god. Just the just saying those names just leaves ugh. I think you can just already tell by my tone, but I don't think that's the most disappointing season in Clipper history because even though that was our best chance with Lob City to win a ring because the Warriors were still, that was their first year with Kerr. They still hadn't gotten over that hump yet. Had we beaten the Warriors, we're playing against the Kevin Loveless Cavs and Kyrie Irving ended up getting hurt. Now, it's no guarantee that Kyrie Irving ends up getting hurt against the Clippers. In a, you know, that was a freak play. But who knows? Although, wasn't he? I'm pretty sure he was dealing with something against Atlanta too, but I could be wrong on that. The point is that was the best chance for the Clippers to win a championship with Lob City, but I don't think we were going to beat the Warriors because ultimately they had Steph Curry. They had a better coach. They played better ball, but we should have made the conference finals. There's no doubt about that. And losing, a, you know, blowing a 3-1 lead to a team we were much better than, blowing off the floor, beating them in Houston without Chris Paul in game one. I mean, that was really disappointing, but I would still say the 2023 season because at least that season we had good process. We got a three seed. We got home court against the Spurs and went into the playoffs with momentum. So our process was actually good. This season was just a joke. It just felt like we disrespected the game, in my opinion. And then 2020, I mean, you can, this is the, the closest one. You can put this right there. I mean, That one, we were, I'm not going to lie, I was pretty arrogant again that season. Getting Kawhi off the Toronto Raptors run, the commercials, the, you know, the, the arrogance from the players going on national TV and saying how tough it's going to be to beat us. Uh, and just no chemistry really throughout the season. Glenn Rivers admitting they barely practiced. Kawhi having the preferential treatment where he was, you know, arriving late to flights and just being kind of distant, even though I think that's what he still does. But I don't know if he's missing flights any, or being late to team flights anymore and all that. But clearly it rubbed some players the wrong way, and it just didn't feel like the vibes were right that season. It felt like we were winning games off pure talent. Paul George was never healthy. Um, Lou Williams and Montrez were just giving us that extra scoring without him in the regular season, but it just never felt like we were playing better basketball to me than the Lakers. Uh, it did for a second in March when we got Paul George healthy and we had some really good road wins, but then when the Lakers beat us in a really like a playoff kind of feel, and I, I just, you know... I've been downplaying regular season games matchups. I just said it with the Grizzlies series. But this one just felt like late in the season, ABC Sunday. The Lakers have lost to us twice already. And we're clearly, everyone was thinking that it was going to be the LA Conference Finals that season. All eyes on this game. Let's see how it goes. And the Lakers showed that their chemistry, their continuity, their fit that season was just better. Their process was just better. They beat us in that game. They also beat us in the first game in the bubble. Now, granted, Lou and Trez didn't play in that game. But I don't know. It just didn't feel right during the season in 2020. It really didn't. And I'm honestly happy it turned out the way it did. Now, do, am I happy we blew a 3-1 lead? Not necessarily. That was really painful. But it got Glenn Rivers out the door and brought Ty Lue in. And I still think that was a great move. And it also allowed the, the you know, it made the players more accountable. I think that 2021 was a different season for the team. They had a different energy throughout it. They were talking differently. And I think Kawhi and Paul led differently. I know it was a big emphasis of Kawhi to be a little more vocal with the team. And I thought, I thought they both came in pretty arrogantly that season. I thought it felt like they just came in. This is the whole court from 2019. And they're just coming in and expect everyone to respect them because of who they are. But the 2019 really worked for everything they got. And those guys, I think, deserve a little more respect than what we saw given from the outside looking in 
that first season. Especially with what we heard about the way, you know, Kawhi and Paul George were just kind of catered to. And look, I understand superstars are superstars, but I don't know. Some of this stuff sounded a little bit too much for guys that just arrived to the organization. But that being said, I'm going to have to go with 2023. I think that this season was the most disappointing, and maybe that's my own fault for the expectations that I placed on the Clippers before the season, but there's nothing like continuity, and I felt as though, even though I just said earlier that we didn't have it this season, we at least had Kawhi Leonard, Paul George on the roster together for a couple of years. We had Ty Lue. We had Nico Batum in his third year with the team. Marcus Morris, Reggie Jackson, the same. It just felt as though going into it, we had all the pieces, but we clearly didn't. So that's my vote. Yes, this was the most disappointing season for me in the history of the in the history of the franchise because of the expectation. Now, you can say that's my expectation, but I wasn't the only one saying that the Clippers were in the championship conversation before the season. Fans and media alike were all saying it. But coming up, going to be talking about the recent news. Bob Myers did announce what he was doing on when I'm sorry, on Tuesday and news from the Knicks GM as well. Going to be talking about how that affects the Clippers coming up. All right, so to close it out, Bob Myers announced on Tuesday that he will be stepping away from the Warriors just like I expected. Now, that's great news. The Clippers are likely going to try to pursue him, but it sounds like he turned down a lot of money and it sounds like he just wants to take a break. Now, as I said, the only way that that could not be true is, yeah, I'm not denying he turned down money, but if he really just doesn't want to work with the Warriors anymore, because he says he loves the players and all that, and I don't deny that, but that doesn't mean he wants to be part of what they are going through, what they are going to do going forward with Draymond, with Clay, and just being a part of, are they going to break that up? What are they going to do to spur, you know, spruce it up? Because Clay and Draymond didn't look so good at the end. So I don't know. All I know is I think the Clippers will make a move. But again, if, if Bob Myers doesn't want to do this, then he just wants to take a break. So if I had to choose right now, sorry, Clipper Nation, I don't think he's coming. I think he's going to take a break and not work for anyone this uh, offseason. I'm sorry, this upcoming season. But who's going to fulfill that GM role? Well, the Knicks just let go of their GM, Scott Perry. Now, he's not Leon Rose, who's making all the basketball decisions, kind of like how Lawrence Frank is for us. So again, with Michael Winger gone, I could easily see you know the Knicks having done well uh, relative to previous years, getting Jalen Brunson and all that, I could see Scott Perry coming in and taking um, Michael Winger's spot. That's probably more likely than Lawrence Frank getting fired or demoted than bringing Bob Myers in. So that's just the honest truth, Clipper Nation. That's what I think. But we'll have all the latest covered right here on Locked on Clippers. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod, And, of course, subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper for even more L.A. Clipper content. Locked on Clippers is free and available on all your favorite podcasting platforms. And I want you to comment what you thought was the most disappointing season in Clipper history. And if this is one of them or if this is the one. But yeah, to recap, I think it was. There were some other candidates I threw in there. As far as the GM situation, I'm not saying I have any leads about the Clippers bringing in Scott Perry from New York. But they have a vacancy and easily he could easily be coming because of what he did with New York, Bob Myers, it's a pipe dream. It seems a little bit unlikely. But also let me know in the comments if you would rather have Lawrence Frank or Bob Myers. I know I asked that a couple weeks back, and I think a lot of people said Myers, but let me see how you're feeling now. But that's it for me on this Wednesday. Let me know what you thought of the episode. The age-old proverb continues. Go Clippers!